probably read my emails more carefully next time when uh, Pastor Mike asked me to come and be here, but uh, hopefully we have been able to have a good time together, and I think we have. Uh, we thank God for the move of His Holy Spirit that He gave us on Sunday. Um, we've had several people uh, in the congregation that have told us that they were healed instantly on Sunday morning. We thank God for that. Uh, we praise the Lord that He is the healer, amen? And He doesn't change. And uh, what He has done before, He can do again, and He continues to do uh, among us. Tonight we believe that the same thing will happen, that maybe not be in the same way, uh, but we believe that as you hear the word, you're going to be changed. Uh, that if you're in need in, the, in any area in your life, that you're going to have God meet that need. Uh, if you're empty in any way, God's going to fill that place. Uh, that whatever we're lacking, that He is well able to provide that for us. Amen? So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to continue from last Wednesday. Uh, last Wednesday, we started t uh, talking about what we were calling warfare, spiritual warfare. And I want to talk a little bit more about that this evening. I'll do a quick review. Uh, and then we'll get into a little bit further uh, teaching on that um, tonight. So open the Word of God, if you would, please. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. This was our kind of our, um, our, our key text that we began to kind of base everything off of. Uh, chapter 10, verse 3, and we're going to read through verse uh, number 6. As you're turning there, let me just mention to you that the Bible is a book of war. It is a book of, uh, of peace. It's a book of redemption. It's a book of love. It's a book of many wonderful and splendid things. However, it's also a book of war. War and warfare is mentioned uh, in the Bible almost as many times as the word faith and trust and believe is mentioned. And we have an entire movement in the planet based upon uh, 550 verses about faith. Uh, and we have here talked about war and warfare almost as many times as that. How many believe that faith is an important topic? Amen? Uh, how many believe that love is an important topic? All right. So uh, if, if, I took a whole, if I took a whole month and taught on faith, you probably wouldn't have a problem with that. As a matter of fact, you've probably had that a few times in your, uh, in your church life. Uh, how about uh, if I taught on love for a whole month, would that be okay? All right. Faith is mentioned 550 times in the Bible. Love is mentioned 330 times. When I talk about love, faith is mentioned or, or love is mentioned, it's all the words that contain that. So faith, faith, believe, trust, all the words that make up the word faith 550 times. All the words that have to do with love, love, compassion, affection, all those things together 330 times. How about if I talk a whole month on redemption and forgiveness? Would that be good for you? Amen. That's mentioned 147 times in the Bible. And so you keep going down the list, you find that, uh, how about grace? Is grace a good word for us to talk about? Well, I'll tell you what, grace is talked a lot about nowadays, isn't it? I was in Dallas, Texas, um, a few years ago, and I sat down to have dinner with the pastor of the church, and he said, man, he said, I tell you what, we've got something great going on here in Dallas. And I said, what's that? And he said, we have been teaching on grace for an entire year. And I thought, wow, for an entire year? Are you serious? Yes. And he said, and there is a book that is just setting people free, and he gave me a copy of the book. And he said, because of this book, boy, I tell you what, pastors in Dallas are coming out of the closet as being gay, and it's okay because grace is covering everybody and everything. And I thought, what? Yeah, and, and he began to talk to me about this, this thing. And, and, and the more I began to listen to it, the more I began to, it was just incredulous. I could not believe what I was listening to. And after he finished talking, he said, he said so do you know what you're going to be talking about tomorrow morning? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> he said, what are you teaching on? And I said, grace. He said, oh, this is going to be great. And so I got up and I taught on grace. <laughs> and, uh, and after the service, of course, 
He came up to me and he said, I have never heard a sermon on grace like that before. How many understand that grace is not a New Testament idea? And the minute we begin to believe that topics that we hold as the church are inherently New Testament concepts, New Testament ideas, we get in trouble. How many understand faith is not a New Testament concept or New Testament idea? And the moment we begin to believe that we exclusively hold the rights to faith only in the context of the Christian church, we're really misstepping God's entire plan and purpose related to faith. How many know that when the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, there was no book of Ephesians to hear faith from? When Jesus made this statement, he said, he said this, he said, he said, what did he say, Mark? He said, he said this, he said, you, you guys, referring to the Pharisees, he said, you tithe anise, cumin, and, uh, and mint. And he said, but you've omitted the weightier matters of the law. And then what were they? Justice, mercy, and faith. If you're not under law anymore, you're not under faith anymore. Not under mercy anymore. Not under justice anymore. The misunderstanding of where our life finds its balance has really crippled and handicapped the body of Christ. Did you know the word grace is mentioned as many times in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament, save one? And if you begin to understand faith only in the New Testament without understanding its, its root, you're going to misunderstand it. If you try to start understanding grace as exclusively a New Testament thing without understanding that it existed before, then you're going to misunderstand it. And I'll just give you a quick example. How many know that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Amen. Grace is all throughout the Old Testament. But because we take, because we spend most of our time relating to everything in what we call the church age or this particular dispensation, and I'm not a dispensationalist, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and that's a theological issue. I'll talk with somebody else about it another time. But nonetheless, if, if, you, if you only take our experience as it is right now, we'll only look at grace from, from a, a particular standpoint that is not related to where it came from. For example, the Hebrew word grace is the word chen. Can everybody say that? And try not to spit on somebody when you do, all right? Chen, chen. You got to get that thing going. Chen. Now, before Hebrew became written in what we call block form or Aramaic script, as it's referred to many times, before it became written the way it is now, it used to be in pictures, okay? It was like a cartoon, almost like hieroglyphics. You could look at it and read it like hieroglyphics. The stuff that the stuff that Abraham wrote, he didn't write it the way it is today. He wrote it in, in pictures. Like, a, For example, I'll give, me, I'll give you a quick one before I tell you about the whole hand thing. Uh, Hebrew is a verb-based language, so everything has verbs to it. It's action. It's moving. In other words, when you ask, like today, we, we're very kind of, um, uh, we like to philosophize about, uh, uh, about things, and so we'll ask people questions. We'll look at the Bible and we'll say, what do you think this verse means? Or what does this verse mean to you? And it's amazing how the verse can mean lots of things to lots of people, and at the end of the day, there's no absolute truth to anything. Because all of a sudden, 2 plus 2 can equal 17. And of course, if you're doing common core, that is possible to have 17 <laughs> as the answer to that. But, but aren't you glad that 2 plus 2 has the right answer? And there's only one right answer to a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is very clear. It's not confused. And it's a verb-based thing. So you understand, you, understand, you understand what something's supposed to do. The word father in Hebrew is the word av. And when you look at the word av in, in, in the pictographical Hebrew or the, or the hieroglyphic, it actually gives you the function of the word. Everything has a function to it. 
And actually, the first letter is a picture of a head of an ox, which is their word for strength. And the next one is the, the, the vet or the, the bet. It's actually a picture of the house. So the father is the strength of the home. That's his function. If you are not the strength of your home, gentlemen, then you are not the av. You are not the father. The real father is the man who's going to bring strength into his home. All the words look like this. They actually tell you their function. Grace is no different. The word grace, chen, is actually a picture of uh, life. Actually, it's a, it's a little like a, like a little um, a seed. It's a picture of life and then a fence. So in other words, grace is the fence that protects life. And the moment that you break down the fence and say, grace is now free to roam and go and do what you want to do, you have destroyed the original intent of grace. Grace is the fence that keeps life safe. I have a colleague of mine, he was, uh, he was um, in his study, his window was open, and he heard the crunching of plastic upon stones, which was his little boy in one of those electric little plastic cars going across the gravel in his driveway. And he looked out, and his little boy was headed out to, they just built this house, and he was headed out to the freeway to merge onto the traffic. And so he runs down, he catches his little boy and says, hey, buddy, what, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm going to buy donuts. That's what the little boy was going to go do. He's going to go buy donuts. And he said, i tell you what, I, I, Daddy, go get in the car, we'll go get, get you some donuts, but you don't need to be doing this. So what does he as a good father do? He puts up a fence. Now, to the little boy or to a rebellious teenager, that fence is hindering my freedom to do what I want to do. But it's not that. It's actually a fence to protect the life that is inside the fence. That's what the word law is. The word law is having to do with a fence, a protective thing. You see, once we take something away from its original intent and we take it and create a new meaning outside of the root of it. We create a doctrine, a teaching that was never meant to exist in the first place. So we have to attach everything back to its original root. Because sometimes if you're listening to a lot of people teaching today, you'll think that grace never existed until the New Testament came along. In this book I was reading the other day, it said, the only faith is, are the words that Jesus spoke. Then how did the Old Testament people get faith? How does somebody in the Old Testament get faith? And none, of this, none of this idea makes sense that faith is only New Testament, grace is only New Testament, mercy, love. All these things are actually the entire Bible, God's desire for us. And when it comes to war, it's not any different. There's always been a war. How many know the Bible tells us there was actually a war in heaven? Ladies and gentlemen, we can be the biggest pacifists we want to be, but let me tell you something. You can have the best society, the best ruler, the best inhabitants, and you can still have war. War does not mean the absence of violence. Has anyone ever heard the word shalom before? Shalom. The Hebrew word, shalom. And if you look at the word, and of course it means peace, it means a lot of different things, but it means peace primarily. But if you look at the word in its picture form, Peace, the first letter, the first letter of, of the word shalom is the, is the letter shin, and it's actually jagged teeth. The next one is a, like an, an el, a lamet, and actually is a picture of a shepherd's 
staff that a shepherd would use to defend his sheep. And then, then, then it goes into, I have to make sure I got my letters right here, shalom, okay? Then it actually goes on to a, a nail. Actually, it's the, the letter of Bob, and it actually is, is it's a picture of a nail. Actually, this word, this picture of a nail in Hebrew is the letter Vav, which is the sixth letter of the alphabet. The letter Vav is also the English word, or the word and as well. So it actually nails down sentence, put, puts words together in a sentence. So it's jagged teeth, picture of authority, a nail, and the last letter is the letter Mem, and it's actually a picture of confusion. It's like lots of jagged waves everywhere. So when they, when they read the letter, when they read the word Shalom, yes, it means peace, but remember, it's a verb. So what is peace? When you look at it, it is the, 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 the jaggedness is, is fierceness. The separate staff or the L is the authority. You have the nail and you have chaos. What is peace? Peace is the violent authority that nails down that causing chaos. Peace is not the absence of violence. It's actually what happens in the midst of it that we nail down and we stop violence through this violent authority that you and I have been given. Not violent in the sense that we're running around with the machete, but how we know that you are a spiritual force to be contended with. And that your job, if, I mean, if heaven can have a war in the perfect nature of heaven, how many understand in the midst of the body of Christ, there will be war? As a matter of fact, somebody very famous once said this, he said, watch out at the end of times there will be, will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. Anybody know who said that? Jesus, okay. And guess what? If he said it's going to happen, you can't pray it away. It's going to happen. You can't fast it away. You can't confess it away. It's going to happen. So the question is not, is war coming or will we be involved in it? The question is, how do we conduct ourselves in the midst of it? How do we become peacemakers in the midst of war, what we do through violent authority in the spirit, we nail down and we stop the things that are causing chaos. And we take authority and we take control of those things. Have you found 2 Corinthians yet? All right. 2 Corinthians says this. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when, we are, when, our, when your obedience is fulfilled. We made this, this statement last week. The enemy takes our warfare more seriously than we do. And as a pastor, one thing I find happening on a consistent basis is people come to me with their life falling apart and they don't know why, and they're typically looking for a human reason or a human understanding for why it happened. Ladies and gentlemen, most of the time it has nothing to do with that, and it's the spirit behind the thing. And until we lift our eyes up off the ground and look what we're, what we're dealing with, we're always going to make that mistake. Because we're naturally inclined people, we're flesh and, and blood people, the Bible very clearly says that our warfare is not with flesh and blood even though the person who did this to you might just be, you know, irritation incarnate. You know, just, just you know, as I said last week, brother chalkboard, just like, just, 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 just really an irritation. There is something 
in this situation. If someone is stealing from you, that is not just a person's natural born desire. There, a spirit is moving behind that person. Paul, Peter, came to Jesus and said, don't die, Lord, far be it from you that anything, this, anything like this would happen. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He understood there was something behind that individual trying to do that. We need to be smarter than the things that are happening in this world and smarter than our enemy. That's one of the ways you win wars is because you understand. I used to play football, and when I did, we used to do something we used to do before a game. We would, um, we would watch game tapes. We would watch films of the other team playing, and we would mark somebody and say, okay, look out for number, I was number 89, so they talk, called my number a lot. I'm sure you got to watch out for number 89. I was a tight end. I was fast, guys, fast. <laughs> I was so fast. I used to run, and women would sing. Ah, it was beautiful. It was just a wonderful thing. <laughs> Uh, uh, it was a wonderful thing. It was, it was, it was, oh, don't wake me up. Let me dream. Okay. <laughs> but we used to watch these game films, and we would see these, you know, we would see the team were going up against. We'd watch how they would play and watch some of their moves and try to figure out some of their stuff. And, and you know, within, within in natural ways, we try to figure out our, our opponents and try to understand what they're doing. And the moment that you start trying to to change um, and, and try to hide. Um, when you start, when all of a sudden terrorism is no longer terrorism, it's just man-made disasters, you start confusing people. When people who shoot people in, at work and cry out the name of a false god and that's called domestic or workplace violence is no longer domestic acts of terrorism, we have a problem. But the problem is not so much with the person saying it, but the spirit that's motivating that person to do what they're doing. Something is trying to lull us to sleep and get us to forget the fact that we truly are in a war and whether anyone wants to realize it or not, it is a war of faith. See, there are two, there are two kingdoms trying to occupy same space. There's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of the devil. And they're both trying to occupy same space and the same space they're trying to occupy is called the kingdom of men. And that's where we live. And these two kingdoms are trying to come into, this, into the kingdom of men and many times, and that's why people are become victims in this great warfare. So we lift up our eyes and we stand our ground and we know who we are. A wonderful teacher, uh, she's, she's gone to be with the Lord now. Her name is Karen Mosley. Karen Mosley, she said this one time. She said, you do not fight your enemy eyeball to eyeball. Why is that? Because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What we do is we look down upon our enemy and we fight him from the high place. Amen. You know, whenever I was, uh, years ago, and I was uh, in, um, in, in Panama living down there, we used to diminish out on these islands, these small little islands, and, and we would, when I would get on these little airplanes, I mean, it's like a, like a three-seater, five-seater airplane, and, uh, and we would take off, and as we would take off, we're driving on the runway, and all you can see around you is the little airport. But once a plane would take off, all of a sudden, I didn't just see the airport anymore, I could see the entire island. And the higher I climbed, I could see more islands. And eventually, I could see all the islands, and including the actual land, the, the edge of the country itself. In other words, the higher we are, the greater our vision and the smaller things look. The higher you get with God, the more you stay seated with Christ in heavenly places, the smaller your problem actually looks. And the more you can see of God's plan and God's time. But if we stay eyeball to eyeball with our problem, you will be consumed by that problem more than likely. Because you forget the fact that you have a great host of army that is with you. The Bible tells us very, very clear that we have weapons in our warfare. Let's look at these here. 
And I know I'm not teaching you something you don't already know, but I just feel impressed to just remind you of what you're already grounded in. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start reading in verse number 10. The scripture says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We've already read this, here, this part last week. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We do wrestle with these things. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having an all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth, your breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Quickly, there's just something here about, the, about all these uh, pieces of armor. And I, obviously this is my last Sunday and or last Wednesday and I only have about another 20 minutes so I can't go into all this. But the way we, we clad ourselves with the armor of God is we must find out who we are in those areas. In other words, the way we clothe ourselves with the blessed plate of righteousness is putting our, into ourselves the word of God so that revelation on righteousness explodes on the inside of us. In other words, that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know this is who I am. So we basically feed ourselves the word of God until revelation comes in those areas that we're able to stand. We study the word of God related to our helmet of salvation. We get in our mind that we are saved. You say, oh, well, of course I know that I'm, I'm saved. But it's, salvation is more than just that. It is, it is a holistic salvation. I mean, what I'm talking about. It's, it's not just being born again, but it is actually the, the word salvation the word in Hebrew is the word, is the word Yeshua, which is actually the name of Jesus in Hebrew. It's, it's the name, it's the word Yeshua, and it has to do not just being saved out of, out of death, but being saved from everything that, God, that the devil would try to throw at you. You are saved from the evils of this world. Can I get an amen from somebody? So what we do is we, 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 get up, we meditate on the word until that thing becomes a helmet on my head of salvation. I got the breastplate of righteousness on. I know, okay, I'm not a perfect man, but I know I rest in the righteousness of God, not in the righteousness of myself. And we keep doing this until we understand our, what our, our, our loins grow about with truth and our feet shine with the gospel of preparation of peace and, and our shield of faith. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith that we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith is not just for you to get a new car. Okay? That might be a revelation. Write that down. Faith is not just for you to get a new car. It's a part of your weaponry to fight off the devil. See, if all you know about faith is how to attain things, but you've never learned how to use faith to actually defend yourself from the devil, think about that for a moment. If all we know about faith is how to get saved and how to believe God for things, but we don't know how to use faith as a defensive weapon against the fiery darts of the wicked one, then we've not been fully taught on faith yet. So we, we educate ourselves on all the verses about righteousness. Righteousness. I always have trouble saying that word for some reason. I'll just say it in Hebrew. It's much easier. Sedekai. Okay, so it's just much easier to say it that way. But if we, if, if this is kind of my homework to you. When you put on the, your right, put on your, your, your armor, you take the word of God in all these areas that he mentions here, truth, uh, peace, um, your righteousness, faith, salvation. Take verses on these things and begin to put them in you of who you are in these things. 
And this is how you're going to clothe yourself with your armor. There's a fantastic book Brother Hagin wrote years ago called In Him. And I encourage you to get that book. It's a great book about who you are in Christ. And that's basically what's happening, is you're putting on the armor of God. You're putting on Jesus. And if you can find yourself in places of revelation, you will, it will be very difficult for the enemy to ever be able to get at you. You know, using the shield of faith, and I don't have time to go into all that tonight, and that would be great to do, but the shield of faith is vitally important. And I can tell you one time in my life where I actually felt the shield of faith actually tangibly in front of me. We were in Panama ministering. One of, my, one of our first outreaches to one of the villages. We showed a movie. We showed a movie. People just came from everywhere. Nobody had electricity. And, and, uh, and so people came out and they watched this film. It was a Jesus film. And, and then people came up forward to, to be, to be uh, prayed for. And uh, this one lady came up to be prayed for. She's all of about this high. And uh, she came up to be prayed for. And she said, I had a stomach problem. So I prayed for her. And I said, how is it? She said, well, it's getting worse. And I said, well, that's not supposed to happen, not that way. So I prayed again. She said, oh, it feels a little better. And I said, well, it shouldn't be a little better. It should be a lot better. So I prayed for again. She said, now it's getting worse. We went back and forth, getting better, getting worse, getting better, getting worse. And all of a sudden, that little bitty woman, her head flopped back. She began to wail, fell on the ground, and began to slither like a snake. And uh, I thought, this is not normal, okay? That's, that's, how, that's how quick... That's how quick I am. Something's not right with this here. I mean, I know this is a different culture, but this should not be happening, I don't think. So, so I'm, I'm watching this, and so, so then she's, and she's, and she's like a snake and a, and a fish. So the, the, my ushers grab a hold of her. One of my ushers was Mr. Panama. I taught him. He was looking at me one day, and he said, how can I be like you? And I said, let me show you. So I, I helped him become Mr. Panama. Big, massive. <laughs> is lying wrong? Is that, is that not covered by grace? Is that, is that, oh, oh, <laughs> ask Ananias and Sapphira. Right, okay. So, Mr. Panama, huge, huge guy, goes in there and they couldn't hold her. She's breaking free from all these guys. She's obviously working under supernatural strength. They could, they could not hold her. So, we, so, so, so they're grabbing a hold of her. And then all of a sudden, I, we get, I get down in front of this woman and I could feel just that shield of faith. I mean, it was just like, it's like I just planted it right between me and, the, and this lady. And I began to rebuke this thing. And all of a sudden she stops. And then all of a sudden this hand comes beside my face and it's my wife. And she reaches and she grabs a hold of that woman's face and she says, you come out of that woman right now in the name of Jesus. The woman was set free and got born again that night in Jesus' name. But you know what? The, 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 the point is this. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But the thing is, he gives us our, not only gives us our weapons, but he also gives us our armaments to be able to engage this enemy and win. We know the battle, we know the victory has been guaranteed, but you know what? The devil doesn't like to take no for an answer, and he will try to stir up skirmishes. He's, we read this last week. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says, give the devil no place. Well, the reason why it says that is because you can give him place. Even though he's defeated, you can still give him place in your life. And if you shut that door and don't give him place, he will be locked out. He'll roam around. You can't get you. He'll go off and go try to find somebody else. But in the event that he does get in, you still are the winner. But you make sure that you're clad with these armaments because if not, what's going to happen is you're going to go and you're going to stand up to him with your breastplate of righteousness and he's going to say to you, yeah, you know what you did last week and you have no authority to talk to me that way. 
I know what you did. I know the life you used to live. You have no authority to stand there and, and try to rebuke me because I know exactly who you are and what you did, and you know it too. He started reminding you of your past. Somebody once said, the, de- the moment the devil starts reminding you of your past, just remind him of his future. <laughs> Amen? You just, let him know, just, let him know where, just let him know where he's going. But see, what happens is if you're not confident in who you are in that righteous place, what's going to happen is he's going to start causing you to doubt. Well, yeah, I did, I, did, I did that. Yeah, I was that way. And the next thing you know, he's going to get a, grab a piece of flesh or whatever. But the point is, we have, as we encourage ourselves in the Lord, the Bible actually says that if we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus, what happens is our faith becomes working. It becomes, I always think in Swedish for some reason with this verse, becomes vetexant. It actually becomes uh, effectual. It becomes effectual. Our, our faith becomes energized, becomes moving. So I encourage you, get these, take these verses here, find verses in your Bible, get Brother Hagin's in him, get yourself clad in this armor so where you know you're righteous, you know you're saved, you know the truth, you know peace, you, you've got your, sort of, uh, you have your faith, the shield of faith. And the next thing he, does, he has, and I'm going to spend the last few minutes, minutes on this, and that is the sword of the Spirit. Before we, oh gosh, I got so much here. Okay, uh, let me just quickly just say this. If you want to read uh, 2, Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse 15 and through uh, 17, listen, it's, it's this whole idea, this idea of the spiritual war is not just New Covenant or New Testament, excuse me, New Testament. It's also old. This is where Elisha, his, his prophet or his uh, servant comes to him, Gehazi, and says, look at all these these armies that are against us. And, and Elijah says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see that there's more that be with us than be with them. And his eyes were open. The Bible says he looked up and he saw the mountains covered with the army of God. Listen, you've got more on your side than you have against you. You've been given victory by Jesus for this purpose with the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did he accomplish that task? Yes. Then he's destroyed. His works are destroyed. So what we do is we enforce that victory by being that occupation army and holding our place. We don't want any casualties here in Jesus' name. This is not new. It's not new. I'm going to read one more verse of Scripture, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of tell you a little bit here about um, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is, people say it's one of our offensive weapons or our only offensive weapon. You can use your faith as a shield as an offensive weapon as well. But nonetheless, uh, you, and, if you, and if you're from Louisiana, you can do headbutting. You can use your helmet as well. Okay, so, but uh, uh, the sword of the Spirit, the Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit is the thing. And we, we have the example. And this is why it's so important for us to ready ourselves with the Word of God. You know, we were talking about this in the back room before we came out here. Over 70, over, I forget exactly the exact number, 70, between 70 and 80% of all Christian kids who go to university lose their faith in the first, uh, in the, within the freshman year. And then the kids who do come back and do have a faith, half of those are agnostic now. And only a handful of them actually still hold a faith to Jesus. Why is that? We've not taught them how to fight anymore. How about this? The 15 points to the 97 reasons to the 25 keys on how to be a better you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is not about you. It's about him and his kingdom, and his way, and his plan, and his mission. 
We get to be a part of that, but the Bible's not about us. It's about what he did for us, but it's about him. Our affection is for him. Our worship is for him. Our study is of him. We, through him, we live and move and have our being. It's all about him. We have taken this book and made this gospel about us. So much of it has been turned and put around to be all about you and me. And understand, God did everything he did for us to draw us to himself. See, it's about him. It's about drawing you to him. It's about his creation and his way and his plan. You know, when I teach on vision, I teach vision basically like this. That, you know, people sometimes say, I've got a vision. You don't. What, what, what you, what you, well, okay, may, maybe, maybe you do have a vision, but what I, what I, what I mean by that is, did my voices go up two octaves there? What I mean by that, okay, what I mean by that is that, that God's vision, you get to be a part of God's vision. God has a vision for the entire world. And what he does, he pulls a curtain back about that much and lets you look through it and says, I want you to be involved in that. See, we have to make sure that what we do is we don't take vision as a point of possession, but by permission of God. When you start taking, you always can tell when someone's taken a vision and made it a possession of theirs personally, because all of a sudden they become territorial. Any other church, any other ministry starting around me is not of God. Why? Because they become territorial in what they're doing. It doesn't belong to us. It's not about us. It's about him, his kingdom, his movement, what he is doing. And praise the Lord, we get to be a part of that. So we get to be a part of what he's doing. And see, he's created an army which he's equipped supernaturally and he's allowed us to be a part of it. What we do not want to do is be a part of this, this body of the warfare and go, woohoo, we're a part of it, and then go running naked out towards the enemy. What we say is, we say, okay, we're fighting for king and kingdom here, and he gives us this, this armament to put on, so I'm going to do this. Why? Because of him. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Everybody wants a savior. Few people want a Lord. And he is both or he is neither. And the modern body of Christ wants a savior, but nobody wants a Lord. And what does the Lord do? He tells you what to do. He tells you how to live your life. He tells you what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe and how you're going to live and how you're not going to live. I remember reading somewhere, somebody very famous once said this, and this is the love of God that you keep his commandments. And we have people telling us today, don't worry about keeping commandments. And this is the love of God that you keep his commandments. In an army, you have responsibilities. Or you are living in the banana defense or the Twinkie defense. I know I did that, but I ate too many Twinkies, Judge. Okay, you're off scot-free. It's true. We no longer, no longer have a justice system in America. We have a legal system. I was reading this article. This, 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 dump, this group of people uh, <laughs> were having a picnic, and they decided why they decided and who decided it, we don't know. But they decided that they were going to have a relay race and strap refrigerators on their back and run with refrigerators on their back. <laughs> and in the running, one guy trips and falls 
and really messes up his back, he sues the refrigerator company and wins. A thief, I read this, a thief was crawling on top of a house because he's going to break into the house and steal what they had. He steps on a, a, a skylight in their house that breaks. He falls through. He breaks both legs. He sues the people who owns a house, and he wins. And you know as well as I do, you can go, we can go through this in every state, in every county, everywhere. At the end of the day, there's only one thing that's going to matter in this world, and that is the word of God and what he has told us he's going to do. The justice of God always has to prevail in every situation. So understanding that, we understand that we have a sword, and the reason I mentioned about the, about the college is we've got to arm our kids with the word of God that when they go to school, they're able to defend their faith. And the way we defend what belongs to us is we unsheath that sword whenever the enemy comes around, putting doubt in our mind about anything God has given us, and we take him with it, and we impale him. Don't go... Go, 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 little doggy. Don't, don't do that. I am staying at Pastor's, Pastor Mike's house, and we have, we have a dog named Gracie. And uh, I don't know if you've already heard stories about Gracie or not, but Gracie's this wonderful little, little dog, but she is, she is um, what's the word? She's pushy. Okay, this dog is pushy. <laughs> She's very friendly. And, and you, you can kind of pat her, and she'll move along. But you can't do that with the enemy. You've got to unsheath your sword and you go to work on it. If sickness comes along, if condemnation comes along, if any other thing comes along, you know the word of God in those areas. You pull that out and all you do is you start quoting scripture to that thing. You rebuke it in the name of Jesus and you impale it. See, that's the, that's the beautiful thing. That's what Jesus did for us. I don't have time to read this, but Luke's Gospel chapter 4, you can read it for yourself. Jesus gives us the great example of how you deal with things in the spirit. When the enemy would come to him, and if you remember, one of the things he questioned was, who are you? You say you're the son of God. He questioned his identity in Christ. He questioned who he was. For us, it would be like, you say you're the righteous. You say you're the healed. You say you're the blessed. You say this. Who are you? He came, questioned Jesus' identity. He's going to question your identity. But Jesus knew who he was. And so what did he do? He didn't even speak his own words. He pulled out the sword of the Spirit and said, it is written, and he quoted the word of God, and he used that to establish who he was. He impelled the enemy, and he ran away. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He teaches us by his example. There is no better teacher than Jesus. If God in the flesh did this to get rid of the devil, you've got no better alternative. And get this. The word of God he used over and over and over again in that chapter. And guess what? All of the words were Old Testament scriptures. He didn't once quote from Matthew or Ephesians or Galatians. He didn't once quote from Revelation. Every time what sent the devil on the run was the word of God. But it was the Old Testament word of God. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. you got the Old Covenant the New Covenant, you have the Old Testament, you have the New Testament. We want, we want both sides of this blade to be sharp. And what have we done? We have hacked off one side and said, we are a New Testament church. Ever wonder why people say that? I mean, think about that for a moment. They have a tendency of saying, stomp and spit and jump and say, we are a New Testament church. Why do you have to say, don't you, don't you kind of have to be a church to be New Testament? I mean, why do you even make a statement like that? Basically saying, we don't have anything to do with the Old Testament. When you do that, 
you have cut your nose off to spite your face. Hebrews chapter 11, all the great heroes of faith who did all these wonderful things by faith. The Bible even says they subdued kingdoms by faith. We're trying to thump a city. They're subduing kingdoms. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the King James Bible. How did they do it? Listen, we have a double-edged sword. It is the word of God from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. Don't cut your nose off to spite your face by only using one part of the book. Use the whole thing. Use the whole word of God because it's Jesus was, God was made, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word is every word God has ever spoken. We don't want to decrease our power. We want to increase our power. One last verse of scripture here I want to read for you guys. The book of Judges, please. Judges chapter 3. The children of Israel have now gone through a period of succession. Moses has gone on to his reward, and Joshua, Yeshua, is now commanding the army of Israel, the nation of Israel, in fact. He is the leader. And they go in, and of course we know the story where they're taking land right, left, and center. God has promised them the land. God has given them the land. However, Joshua did not take all of the land given to them and promised by God. There were certain bits that were left unconquered. And there was a reason why they were left unconquered. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Now these are the nations which the Lord left. Can everybody say the Lord left? Now, did not the Lord promise all the land of Israel belonged to them? But the Lord made sure some of it was not taken. In other words, he left a portion of the promise unrealized. Interesting. Why would the Lord leave a portion unrealized? To prove Israel by them. This is a very inconvenient truth. But the Bible does say, I am the Lord, I change not. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I feel the love this, this evening. Even as many of Israel had not known all the wars of Canaan, only the generation of the children of Israel. Now, so what happened is he's saying the generations, the generations taking this land right now did not know the wars of Canaan. They didn't understand what it was like to take all the wars of, live all the wars of Canaan. Only that generation of the children of Israel might know. For what reason? To teach them war. He said, I'm not going to give you all of the promise right now because I'm going to take, I'm, I'm, you're going to get it. But these people that are now moving in, they have not known the wars of Canaan. So he left those places free for what reason? So that the children would learn to war. You know what the Bible says of God? It says he is a man of war. Sometimes we forget about, we just see him as the shepherd or as the loving father and he is all those things. But you cannot forget also that he is a man of war. And what does a man of war do? He commands an army of people. The Bible calls him, it refers to him as the Lord Sebaot, the Lord of hosts. So how do we do? How do we clad ourselves with armor? We get revelation on each piece of armament, each revelation of God, who we are, that cladding of armor that God puts upon us. We memorize those words, we put them in our, in our heart, we get the revelation coming up on those things. We learn how to use our shield of faith and then we pull out the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and we use the word of God against every foe that comes our way and we use it 
directly, we use it deliberately, not just verses that we know from the New Testament, but verses we know from the Old Testament as well, because they're just as powerful. Can I get an amen from somebody? Because they're all the Word of God. And so we use the two-edged sword of God's Word, and we use that Word to stand our ground, to fight our battles, and to win the victory that God has already promised to us. God is good all the time, isn't he? Amen. Now, one thing that I want to do right now, and that is, can I have someone come play the piano, please? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the, um, one, one of the things that we need to make sure that we can do and that we have is the ability to pray in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit is very important. Uh, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a weapon you use. There was a time that we used to have this thing called warring tongues back several years ago people used to do. Tongues are meant for, for God, but they bring about building up and edifying yourself in your most holy faith, and they also bring about wonderful things of revelation to you as well as you pray in the Spirit. Before we call those forward, do you want to talk about that little card there that you have, Loretta? Can I have another, another mic? Thank you. You know, I, I just wanted to add something that um, Scott said about taking our position because it's really important. I love prayer. I've learned so much. And, you know, I keep on learning prayer because, you know, if, if you ever tell yourself that you know it all, then he, God can't teach you anymore. So you have to, you have to stay ta teachable in your life in Christ. And um, I've... I've attempted to do that, so I'm constantly growing in Him. And uh, one of the things about, you know, I, I learned my position in Christ, that I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, you know, far above principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. That's Ephesians 1 and, and Ephesians 2. And, you know, when I'm seated in Christ, you know, I pray from that. You, you know, the enemy, if, if you ever study war, you always lose if you're um, if you you do not have the higher ground. If you have the higher ground, you win in natural wars. But it's the same as in spiritual wars. It, you you win if you have the higher ground. And um, I I was just studying about that. And I said, and and I would come to pray, and I'd just prepare myself in prayer. And I thank God that I could pray from this position. I could pray from a place of power and a place that I could see demon activity and I could call it for what it was. I was just thanking him for that I could pray that way. And one day I was praying this way and the Lord told me, yeah, you got it almost right. And that caught my attention, you know, because I want to be right. And if I'm praying and if I'm giving time to prayer, I want every word to count. You know, I'm a mama. I'm a grandma. I, I mean, I've got lots of stuff to do. And if I'm going to spend an hour in prayer, then I want it to count. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm teachable here. Um, and he said, well, you got it almost right. I don't expect you to pray from that place. I expect you to live from that place. Huge difference. Huge difference if you're going to just take your sword and, okay, I'm going to get in that place. No, it's every day of your life, every second of your life. You take that position in Christ. You never know what a day is going to bring. 
you stay pumped up and prayed up and led by the Spirit of God, you know, I've, I've really just been pressing in on him. I, I'm going to tell you this, husbands. You give your wife time to be with God. And I told Scott this. I said, I was led to a store today to buy some clothes. <laughs> I kid you not. That's what happens. But I really felt this urge. And, you know, I'm not a big shopper. I do like, you know, new clothes every once in a while. But everything I bought that day was 50% off. <laughs> everything. And I loved every piece of it. And, you know, I, and, you know, he was praising the Lord. Praising the Lord, right? But the Spirit of God can lead your wives to get the sales if, if, you know, if that's important to you. For me, I, you know what? It just showed me how much God loved me and how I could be a witness to others. You know, even, even in the mundane, buying clothes, that's mundane. It's not really important, but, you know, everything we do, our lives are our epistles that are read by all men. And so I want it to count. So, you know, when we take our place, don't, okay, I'm going to, because I, I always take this card. I wish I had more, but I use this card. I have a little card, and it's, it's called my Kingdom Identity Card. And I just, I pray from this card, and I say, I thank you, Father, that I'm a child of God. It's just scriptures of who I am in Christ. So if, do, do you have in him in the bookstore? Good. And I just said, oh, I thank you, Father, I'm your workmanship. Uh, today I've been created for God-ordained good works. Wherever I go, I am just God-ordained to be there. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Father. I have the strength for the day. Thank you, Father. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm more than a conqueror. I, you know, I, I get myself ready to pray. I say these things over. I, I tell myself who I am because then I'm taking my place. I'm taking my place. I'm getting ready to pray and kick some devil booty. <laughs> okay, that's just what you do. You, I mean, you've been given a far advantage in that place. And he lets you see prince, you're far above principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. That's why you have that position. So you can kick it. I have the anointing of God abiding in me. I'm going to tell you this. Every single one of you, if you're a born-again Christian, you have the anointing of God on the inside of you. You have it. You're not going to get it. You have it. You possess it by being a child of God. And um, everything you need in this life is already in you. It's already there. You do need to work it out like the muscle faith muscle, you work out that, that um, what he's given you, you study it, you stay teachable, but everything you have is in you, but the anointing that you've received from him abides in you, and you do not need for anyone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it is taught you, you will abide in Him. You need the power of God on the inside of you even to have a relationship with Him. Let's face it. You need, and you know what? This is the great thing about God. He's a good, He makes good deals, you know. 
if you have the knowing of God, he doesn't call you to do something that he doesn't equip you for. So if you're a mama, he equips you with the anointing to be a mama. I tell you that. He does. You can't do the job without it if you want the right result. He equips you to be a grandma. He equips you to be a website, whatever you do. I don't know. This guy, he does things. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand, but he doesn't. He equips Mark to do that. That's a gift from God. It doesn't matter what you do. God equips you with the anointing to do that. Do you ever just get up, Mark, and then you have an idea? Yeah. That's a God, that's a God thing. Or we as moms say, I can do this more efficiently. I love when God gives me those ideas. But everything we have already abides in us. And this is what I want to tell you here. That antichrist, there's an antichrist spirit that works in the world. It's not any new news, but Christ means anointing. It's anti-anointing. He comes to get your anointing. If he can stop you from using your anointing and the power that he's given you inside, it belongs to you. He stopped. He's, if he could just even get you discouraged, he's done his work. And then he can move on. We have to know what we have. We need to know who we are and use it. And it's an exciting life. Prayer, I, I, I liken prayer to this. As I, you know what? In prayer time, I can go all over the world. It's free. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it, it doesn't, it, he takes me places in prayer. I love that about him. He's given me all the, I love that about God. Youth, I, I mean, and, and I, I do want to end in this because it's just been in my heart today. But, you know, when I was young, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And um, I loved that. It made me have power that I didn't have by myself. And, you know, it's just like a kiss from heaven when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. There is an experience. Acts 19, 2, it says, have you believed? You know, after you've believed, did, did you receive the Holy Ghost? So it's a subsequent action. It's a subsequent infilling of the Holy Ghost after you've become born again. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was, I, I was born Catholic. I, I grew up Catholic, and I didn't know a lot of these things. And so I said, I want me some of that. <laughs> I want me some of that. I was hungry. I wanted everything God had for me. I didn't want to be lacking in anything. Anything. We need his power to walk upon this earth. And he's equipped each and every one of us with that power. He, he has over-equipped us, over, uh, what's another word for that? Oversupplied. He, he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We are partakers of his divine nature. That's how we walk around. Divine nature, we're walking around. This is, I'm his hands and his feet on this earth. 
I walk around with this power on the inside of me. That's why you have to know what you have. You because you can access it if you know what you have. If you have a bank account, you know what you have in there. You know what you can spend. I've got a godly bank account on the inside of me, and I want to know what I have so I know how I can walk. I know how I can behave. And I wanted me some of that. I wanted me some of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I got gloriously filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember um, I was at a meeting. Um, but, you know, if... You don't have the Holy Ghost. We want to make it available tonight for you. This is the deal. It's an easy, if you, if you want it, you have to want it. You have to desire it. I want you to see that in the Word of God. He said He's going to bring you power from on high, Acts 1.8. You will not be disappointed. I know that. You will learn so much. And also it helps you to pray when you don't know how to pray. Romans 8, 26. When you don't know how to pray, there's groanings and travail that help you pray the perfect prayer. I need me some of that. Because you know what? I don't always know how to pray. Have you ever been that way? Am I taking too long? Have you ever been like, I don't know how to pray about this? Or you just, someone just, God lays someone on your heart and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Once I had my brother on my heart, and I'll never forget this. I didn't know what for. It's my brother Matt. And I just started, we had intercession at that time in our, at our home church, and I was just praying, and it got so bad. I, I mean, it was groanings. I was weeping, groaning, but I knew it was for my brother Matt. And I was, I was so convinced I was praying for him. The next day, I asked my dad, what's going on with Matt? I don't know. He goes, he was in an accident last night. Same time. And his car rolled three times, but he escaped without an injury. I'm going to tell you, it pays to listen to the Holy Ghost. It pays to listen to the Holy Ghost. So if you are here and you want the Holy Ghost, we want to pray for you. We want you to have that power, the inner in inward power um, so that you can walk because he, he said this you're going to be my witnesses but receive this first you're going to be my witness but receive this first so it gives you a power the power to become a witness for him so if that's you come up here I want to pray for you we're going to pray for you I don't know how we're going to do it but Expect the miracles. Everybody? Everybody here filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I always put that. Because you need the evidence of speaking in tongues. You know, I, I was seeking some uh, direction from the Lord one time, and I said, Lord, I really need to know if this is you. 
You know, when you, you're seeking direction for your life, you want to know that it's God. And um, I was like, God, I need to know. God, I need to know. And I was desperate for an answer. And he said this to me. And I was driving, and I was going up to a nutrition store. I said, I need to know that this is the direction you need for me to go. And he said, because I knew I was going to see a gentleman in the nutrition store. He just told me this. And I said, and I need to know that I'm hearing your voice. I need to know. Because he was pointing me one direction. And I said, I need to know. I'm desperate. I need to know if that's what you're really asking me to do. I got up to the store and he said, ask the man. I was like, okay. He said, ask the man if he's filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay. So I get in there. I'm doing my business with him because I'm doing some nutritional things. <laughs> you know, mundane, the very mundane. And, um, and he was busy. I could tell he was having a busy day. But I didn't, you know, I was so desperate for my answer. I didn't care. So afterwards, I said, after the transaction was over, I said, okay, I just have to ask you one thing. I said, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? And do you speak in other tongues? He said, he, at, he looked at me and he said, no, I'm not. And yes, I want it. <laughs> this is how we live, guys. This is how we live. This is how we live. So I said, okay. You know, I, I really wasn't, I, I, I was, I don't know what I was prepared for, but I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'm going to send you, because I always like people to know the word of God. I said, I'm going to send you books, and then you can come to our house, and, you know, we'll pray for you and everything. And, I, and he got the information. Both he and his wife came. Both of got, them got filled with the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, it pays to be led by the Holy Ghost and have the Holy Ghost as your leader and your guide. If you want to come, I'm here. Is there anybody? This could be the most important decision you have. There's young people here that want it. I was young when I got the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, I needed it every day. <laughs> anybody? Because I'm going to close it up. Thank you, Jesus. I knew there is this are these gals coming up? Perfect. You don't have to be nervous. This is this is family time. Anybody else? This is a great great both of you guys want it? All right. This is how it works. See? Hey, look at this. This is awesome. You know, this is Anybody have questions up here before we? <laughs> Anyone have questions? Any questions for it? About it? Are you okay? Okay. 
Anyone have questions before? This is how the Bible says that we're going to pray. We're going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to just lay my hands on you. Got another one? Who else? Both of you or both of you? Um, I'm just going to lay my, we're going to say a prayer all together. You, you all want this. Something you want. Okay. Um, and I'm going to tell you this. Because this is the way that I'm going to tell you before it happens so that you, you are already warned. Whatever happens tonight, because everybody's experience is different. I got a full, full language. He got like one syllable. Some people go home and get it. You know, they get prayed for here and then they go home and get it. So everybody's, so don't compare yourselves to each other because it either might. So I'm, I'm already disarming I'm already disarming um, the enemy here because he will come. What he does, he comes to steal the word, okay? That's his job. He steals the word. So everybody's journey is going to be alike. I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to get something tonight. But if not, I don't even want to cast doubt, but everybody's journey is different. So I've, I've, I've learned this in praying for people, getting the Holy Ghost. Some people just need that alone time to really come out of themselves <laughs> and that's okay too um but this is one thing the holy ghost doesn't come in and supernaturally move your tongue you need to start as an act of your will just start start saying what you hear and it's not going to make sense that's the biggest that's the biggest jump it's not going to make sense to your head up here but your spirit's going to be rejoicing. You just, you, just start, you just start praying in the Holy Ghost. It's not going to make sense. It's like gibberish. It's like baby talk. Um, some people get, like, beautiful languages. I, you know, and we'll be praying. I want all of us praying, stretching out your heads, hands towards them. But I want to disarm you, and this is what the devil will come. Because I want to disarm his, disarm him. After you get it, he'll say, you really didn't get that. You were just making that up. How many people did the devil do, do that to when, if you got filled up? See all these hands? I want to tell you. Because none, he, does, he uses the same tricks. He uses the same tricks. He's exposed. He's exposed. So don't let him use that on you. Okay? Okay, so you're well prepared, right? Okay, can you lead them in a prayer? Yeah, just lead them in a prayer, and I'm going to lay hands okay. on them. Okay, everybody, it's very simple. Just repeat this after me. If you believe what I'm saying, just repeat this after me, okay? All right, here we go. Everyone say, Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fill me right now with your Holy Ghost. Grant me, Father, the gift of speaking in tongues in Jesus' name. Okay, now when I lay my hands on you, now I want all of you just to kind of lift your hands up like you're going to, you are
Koshi kete bashinge de boson doro hushin dale yasim bon tonto toshi shike babari atsi bolo oshi boson dolo go shinga mamani motson doro oshinga botolo hosamama tete he shotoro oshinga bababandinge molo oshin bababatinge molo oshamakin de monto montili anshin bonto kobore isham babari ansem bongo sababatinge molo oshamogese Thank you, Father Yaakov. Can I get a quick word in Jesus' name? Shongore ishambaba tingele anshimbondolo goshike lama ni modsondorodo oshimbaba riyatsebolo oshamamate. Origamama ni geshingambontongoro oshamama riyatsembondoro oshabakitale anshimbonde. Linga mama riyatsheke bosondoro oshambosondogore ishambaba batera. Hallelujah. Koro Oshem Babati Kebo Sondoro Oshingandi Lemono Songondi De Shingesem Bondoro Osham Bon Sambotoro Osham Baba Hansam Bon Shotoro Oshinga Baba Tigali Anse Loge Baba Hansam Bon Toro Osham Mohosam Baba Tingemolo Osham Hansam Boto Longe Mama Mani Mansem Boro Oshigali Anse Botoro Osham Baba Hansam Bon Tolo Oshongonde Sigebo sondoro oshamahan sambotoro oshambabati. Longe mamba di gebo shondogoro oshinga babatingele and simalamanti. Logo sondoro ishababati kebotolo osamani and tembolo oshamboto. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless you, Father God, in the name of Messiah Jesus. Kora oshike botogolo osamabariat sambotoro oshambabati. Glorify be your name, Lord. Shongoro Oshambaba Tingeboro Oshambo Kotolo Oshongotori Isa Babati Kebo Sondeli Isa Mamate Logi Mamani and Shembondoro Oshamahan Sambotoro Oshambababate Giba Bandingilian Sambondogoro Oshamandala. Glorify be your name, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the infilling of your spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. Thank you, Lord God, for pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. Thank you, Father God, for your sons and daughters that they prophesy. Thank you, Father God, that they speak with new tongues. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Shotoro Oshem Babatinge Boro Oshem Muntolo Oshem Babari Yansam Bondi Liansi Mote Liga Bababa Tinge Moro Oshem Bale Yansam Monte Liante Ba Honkopo Shinge Mari Yansam Bontunguru Bosonguru Oshem Mari Mananama Yansam Bante I Babandinge Liansi Monde Sigye boto go shogoto. Shori ishamahan samboto. Shoro oshamahan samboto. Oshambabaki samolo oshamoto lo oshamamam. Digibo lo go oshigababa tikebo lo oshondo. Oh, Father God, in Jesus' name. Fill them with your spirit, Father. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill them, Father God, with your spirit. I pray, Father God, in Yeshua's name. We have to speak another prayer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Koro Oshiba Babarian Sambondoro Oshambondo Liga Babatike Moshon Dongori Gishinga Babatinga Molo Oshababate Logo Gogori Isam Amani and Shingebo Sotoro Oshambotogoro Oshikaleande Logi Bamba Bandingembon Shondoro Oshamba Boko Sondoro Oshim Babahan Sambotoro Oshibabate Lamba bamba bandinge boso toro oshama hansambo toro oshama hansi singe bodogoro oshambo sambo koro oshamba hansambo toro oshamba bakita 
Shikebo do Oshamba Bagida Ba Ensemble Toro Oshama and Sambonde. Lamba Barigeshi Gabaliasamo Hosambo Toro Oshambon Toro Oshambo Sondoro Goshingende. Logi Baba Simbonde Lima Ansimbondo. Ichama Mahan Simbondoro Osho. Isa Baba Kitama Marian Samante. Father God, I pray that you shall give Holy Spirit, Lord, and Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Shige Baba Barian Samalian Shamante. Shoro goshin baba baba dige bolo oshondo gosomolo ose. Si baba bandige motion don goro oshinga baba tingele and sambo doro oshamama and simbo do oshinga bosoto. Yes, thank you, Lord. Shike baba digasam. Thank you, Lord, for the infilling of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the infilling of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the outpouring of your Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the outpouring she ge 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 re ba simbolo o shama ho sambote lamba gi ba ba ri ad she bolo o shamba ba tinge moro o shambon toro o shama malayande le bo go re ge marama no o shamba ba tinge boro o shama han tinge leansi she ge bo go ro o shama an sambon toro o shambon tolo o simba ba te ansi Shongor Eishama on Sambon Toro O Shambaba Tikebolo O Shamaliante. Simbamba Gimo Tolo O Sama no no O Singiri Atsi. Oko Sama Kepatanemo O Shambon Kotoro O Shambabotoro O Shamaleante. Yahweh Yeshua's name I pray. Good. Your spirit Lord in Jesus' name. Koro Osha. Forgive me, Father God. Forgive me, Father God, for being impatient. Let me pray that Father being impatient. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shee <laughs> Shongoro Oshama Kotoro Oshambaba Bakisa Moto Kumbamba Kintamba Rian Semongo Oshaman de Mose Shige Bogoro Oshamaba Kimbamba Rian Samboto Koro Oshinge Baba Batike Bolo Oshimbabo Shondogore Ishan de Liande Sambongoro Oshamama Han Shambontoro Oshambaba Kitamba Rian Semonte Kimbabari and Sambongoro, Oshama, Kimbabatin Gebolo, Oshama, Kitaliasi. 
Shotor Oshinga de Galia Sikara and Sakbontor Hallelujah. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, praise God. It's been our great pleasure and privilege to be with you over this past, uh, this past week. Thank you so much for your, your prayers, your support, and for, uh, for all your expectation in every service. It was our honor to serve for this past week, and we rejoice in the next time we get to be with you. Loretta and I are going to have to leave actually right after this. We have a lot of prep we have to do to get ready to leave. So thank you so very much, everyone. God bless each and every one of you. We'll see you in a year's time, okay? God bless. Well, in order to give um, Pastor Scott and Loretta time to get out, uh, he just asked if I could read all of Numbers chapter 7 for you. So, <laughs> no. But no.